0: This morning I'm reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 98. Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, and let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness, and the peoples with equity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Singing an old song in a new place can load it with new meaning. The song, You'll Never Walk Alone, was originally a show tune from Rodgers and Hammerstein's 1945 musical, Carousel. The song is sung to comfort a grieving widow. When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of the storm, there's a golden sky and the sweet silver song of a lark. Walk on with hope in your heart, and you'll never walk alone. I'm not going to sing it for you, and I'd play it for you if not for copyright issues with live stream, but you can Google it later if it's not familiar. Anyway, the point is, the song is a consolation. It's a comfort in the face of death. You'll never walk alone. Singing this old song from the 1940s took on something of a new life when it moved from the world of the stage and drama to the world of sports, where it became the anthem of Liverpool Football Club in Liverpool, England. Now this song is sung by choirs of tens of thousands of fans as the arpeggios blast through the loudspeakers They're cheering on their favorite football, soccer team. It's mostly off-key, and a crowd that size inevitably lags behind the beat. But it's sung with tears in their eyes and arms over each other's shoulders, red scarves held up high in the air to show their support for their favorite team. Sometimes it's a rally song when the team is behind, but more often it's a victory song when the team wins. Like when Liverpool won the Champions League title in 2019. And they came back to Liverpool for their victory parade through the streets of the city. As their red bus came to the end of the parade, they held up their trophy, and the crowd of grown men and women, children, teens, and everyone sang this song, You'll Never Walk Alone, at the top of their lungs. Singing this song from an old-timey musical took on a new significance when it was sung as a victory song, enthroning the home team as champions. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he's done marvelous things, says this very old song. This old song, or psalm as we call them, may strike us as a kind of upbeat, cheery, put a smile on your face and say something nice about God whether you want to or not kind of song. Praise from a bygone era of simpler days or something. The words in this song may strike us as generically religious words, salvation, righteousness, faithfulness, not to mention adjectives like marvelous and jubilant, which we almost certainly do not use in our daily vocabulary. And there are harps, there are trumpets, which are nice enough, but hardly edgy. My point is, if you read this psalm, this very old song, really quickly through, as a generic summons to praise a far-off and holy God, well, I wouldn't blame you, but you'd be missing some of the edge See, this psalm is what we call a, an enthronement psalm. It's a victory song. And in the minds of the ancient Israelites who sang this song, God's victory, God's enthronement as the righteous, rightful king of the universe, well, that was shown to them in real, concrete ways, often over and against other so-called gods and empires of their day. See, God's reign was bad news for the gods and the empires of the day. And praise of this rightful king, this god, was a subversive stand against those other gods and empires. So what I'm trying to say is that this is no show tune This is the victory song at the end of the parade with the trophy hoisted up and the people of all ages singing at the top of their lungs with tears streaming down their faces in relief, in joy, jubilant joy, you might even say. But God has not won a soccer game. No, God is praised and enthroned as king because God has finally enacted justice and judgment against the nation's. Salvation for the Israelites is not just a spiritual concept. It has to do with their physical, lived realities as a nation. But it's hard for us to see this in the psalm, because psalms aren't usually attached to a specific story in the Bible. Fortunately, in this case, this very old song is an echo an echo of an even older song that helps us to put skin and bones on this point about God's victory and God's salvation. In the opening verses of this psalm, just about every major vocabulary word, song, marvelous things, right hand, holy arm, salvation, all of these words recall an even older song from the book of Exodus chapter 15. Back in Exodus 15, what we see is this huge crowd of Hebrews who have only narrowly escaped from the Egyptian army. God parted the Red Sea and let them through on dry ground so they could escape from the murderous rampage of a pharaoh who regretted his decision to let this enslaved nation go. And with the army of pharaoh hot on their heels, the Hebrew nation made it to the other side of the sea, just in time for God to release the waters back to chaos and to swallow up their enslavers. Short on breath from walking or running or panicking through the sea, what do they do next? Moses and Miriam bust out the tambourines. They start singing a new song. "'I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted.'" Both both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. This is our snapshot of Psalm 98 in action. God's right hand and holy arm have worked salvation. God has delivered an enslaved nation from this empire of Egypt. That is what salvation looks like for the Israelites. And the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. In this case, he has made his salvation known by wiping out that rampaging army that was going to enslave his people again. He remembered his love and faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And for a good number of them, this is not good news, because the salvation of God's people means the destruction of anything that stands in the way. This is a victory song, folks. God is enthroned, which means that God has dethroned all the powers and principalities that stood in God's way. See, when you take an old, familiar song and see it in a new context, that gives the song a new meaning. And this very old song from Exodus 15 is rearranged and sung anew in Psalm 98, And as God's people throughout the ages have sung and prayed these psalms in every generation, they too announce the enthronement of God as the righteous king. That God is still in the business of dethroning all those powers and principalities. And so praise of this righteous king is still an act of subversion. It's an act of resistance. Martin Tell is a hymnal editor and a music scholar whose father grew up in the Netherlands during World War II and the Nazi occupation. Martin Tell once asked his dad what kinds of songs they would sing in church during the occupation. At the time, people in the Netherlands were forbidden from singing anything remotely patriotic. The author Corey Ten Boom wrote about her brother being imprisoned just for playing the national anthem on the organ. But for the Calvinists, playing the national anthem at church was not a temptation. They stuck to the Psalms. And the Nazis saw the church's Psalter as innocuous. Psalter wasn't a threat to them like those patriotic songs were. They must not have been too familiar with its contents. Tell writes about his father remembering how in the morning we might sing strains of Psalm 68, which says, Let God rise up, let his enemies be scattered, let those who hate him flee before him. The lofty melody made this text soar. God comes in procession and leads the captives to freedom. This psalm, and many like it, says Tell, ennobled the church to assert its voice, to nerve a people who were resisting forces of evil. I imagine their churches getting together to sing Psalm 98, an old song in a new context. Those folks under occupation go to church every week and sing praise to the Lord because God reveals his righteousness to the nations, By delivering his people from the nations, they sang in faith that the one whose right hand and holy arm had worked salvation in Egypt would now work salvation again in their day. The Nazis saw the church's Psalter as innocuous, they didn't see the power and the promise behind these victory songs. The victory and salvation of God is not limited to the spiritual realm. And so by singing these songs, the church defied the power of the empire over them and testified to a new reality that God would judge the world in righteousness and God would judge the people with equity. In the year 1719, Isaac Watts published a book of poems And each poem was based on a psalm. He would read the psalms in light of Jesus Christ. So his poem on Psalm 98 goes like this. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. In Jesus Christ, God breathed new life into this old song again. Watts's poem, of course, became one of the most enduring and beloved Christmas hymns, Joy to the World. Singing the old song in light of Christ packs it with new meaning. The psalm celebrated the enthronement of God above the nations, and this hymn sees Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of that promise that God's kingdom had come to earth in this little baby in a manger. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. The same God who unseated the oppressive empires in the time of Hebrews now reigns as Savior. And like Psalm 98, this new song sees all of creation joining in praise to the Savior. Because, of course, the Savior's reign is good news for all of creation, not just for our souls. The Savior's reign will mean the liberation of all creation from its bondage to decay. It will mean the liberation from the tons of litter that choke sea life, from overfishing that messes with the balance of whole ecosystems. And so the seas resound in everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands when they're liberated from toxic pollution. And let the mountains sing together for joy. See, the Savior's reign is not only good news for humans, it's good news for all of creation. And so the fields, floods, rocks, hills, and plains join in this victory song of praise. When we sing Psalm 98 to celebrate the birth of Jesus... This is God giving us a new song. We are affirming that this birth has cosmic significance. It changed the world and it continues to change the world. Of course, it shouldn't be lost on us how strange it is that a tiny baby would signal God's cosmic rule. But as one commentator puts it, this strangeness is a hint of things to come that this baby would finally enact on a cross God's sovereign claim upon the world. The cross of Christ reveals a strength made perfect in weakness. And so it's appropriate that this psalm is not only used during the Christmas season, but here in Eastertide as well. A testimony that the incarnation, the crucifixion, and the resurrection together proclaim God's good news. Together they portray the salvation of our God, not only for us, but for all of creation. Sing to the Lord a new song. Back in 2015, my husband Daniel went to Angola Prison down in Louisiana for a seminary class. It was to learn about prison ministry and to witness the incredible movement of God's Holy Spirit in this particular prison. This was a prison that used to be the most bloodiest prison in the United States. The seminary students went there to learn from the inmates about how they were living the salvation of God in their prison ministries. And they would also worship together. Singing an old song in a new setting like this loaded these songs with new meaning. One seminary student, Jenny, got up at one point point and started spontaneously singing a gospel song, Break Every Chain. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, she sang. And the keyboard player, who was a really gifted musician, he figured out what key she was singing in and started to play along. Burst into jubilant song with music, the psalmist was telling them. And it's a catchy song with repetitive lyrics, so slowly more and more voices started to join in. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. This gospel song, sung in the walls of Angola prison, was turned into a new song. A testimony to the reality that the salvation offered by Jesus could not only break the chains that the powers and principalities had on these men... Not just the spiritual powers of sin and darkness and death that had gripped their lives, but also the actual chains and fences and walls. That the coming reign of God would mean their full restoration. And that their communion and fellowship with these students in that moment was a foretaste of that coming reality. So the bass player tries to jump in and join the song. He struggles a little bit. He's still making music to the Lord. More students and inmates join to shout for joy. The chains are broken, they sang together. I hear chains falling. Hands were raised in the air. Shouts of joy and tears brought before the Lord, the King. God gave them a new song to sing. This was their victory song, their enthronement psalm. And in that prison chapel, God took his rightful place as righteous king. No more let sin and sorrow grow, says Isaac Watts, to the inmates and the students, shouting for joy. Nor thorns infest the ground, for he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found to the ends of the earth, even to the walls of the prison. God gave them a new song of praise. This is no show tune. It is a song that testifies to God's coming victory and salvation. God is giving us a new song of praise. But maybe this new song is just a very old song sung in a new place. It's humming that Christmas hymn, Joy to the World, on a cloudy Sunday afternoon in May when we're back in lockdown and joy is hard to come by. We sing with the songbirds that are returning after a long winter. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. They may as well be singing. Psalm 98 is not a put on a happy face and say something nice about God whether you want to or not kind of song. This song is an indictment of all the powers of the world, the empires and unjust nations and kings and rulers. It is a subversive act of defiance against inequity, injustice and suffering. We sing in faith that the one whose right hand and holy arm worked salvation for the Hebrews on the bank of the Red Sea can work salvation again and work redemption in all the earth, in every corner of our lives, far as the curse is found. This is not some innocuous show tune. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we see the the power and the promise behind this victory song, sung in this season of resurrection as dandelions swallow up the unkempt meadows. By singing this old song in a new place, We testify to the reality that God will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity, that even the seas and rivers and mountains will rejoice when Christ comes again to rule the world with truth and grace. And so we say with the church of the ages, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard. When we don't see the just judgments, when we don't see your righteousness and equity, would you give us a new song to sing? Or maybe just help us to sing your old songs in new places. Help us to sing of your coming reign and your salvation in hospitals and labs, in media, in the office, on the bus, at school, even in the rocking chair with a little one who will not sleep. Lord, in every square inch of our lives, would you make your salvation, your righteousness, and your justice known. In Jesus' name, amen.